Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Think you're a pretty good listener? I dare you to take Becky Harling's quiz. Her new book lays it all out. It's called How to Listen So People Will Talk. And you might be surprised by what you find out. Becky, you know, the real problem with um, (laughs) interviewing someone about a book that's called How to Listen So People Will Talk is that (laughs) I'm already embarrassed about my listening skills and we haven't even begun yet. Oy, oy, oy. Well, it's worse when you're the author and you can't see the interviewer, and so you interrupt them when they're asking you questions. <laughs> okay, so can we just agree to just be non-judgmental about all this and just have yes. fun? Okay, let's do it. And let's start with how you actually open up the book, which is a really interesting conversation between you and your daughter. Would you tell us that story? Yes, absolutely, Nicole. So I was in a conversation with my uh a teenage daughter. She was in her late teens. And I remember saying to her, Hey, Bethany, how well do you think I listen? And honestly, Nicole, I was expecting rave reviews. I thought (laughs) I've got this one, you know, I may have messed up other parts of my parenting, but this one I've got. And there was a long pause in her answer. And she said, well, Mom, sometimes you listen well, but you know, you interrupt me a lot. When I'm telling you a story that happened at college, you dive in with your own story. And when I'm sharing a problem with you, you try to dive in and fix it. You give me a lot of unsolicited advice. And honestly, I just really want to feel validated. And I remember thinking, well, I'm your mother. Aren't I supposed to give you all this advice. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, right? I'm pretty sure that came with the rule book. But she said, (laughs) you know, mom, I just really want you to listen to me. And so I had a lot to think about after that conversation, because I value my relationship with my daughter, and I want her to feel loved and heard. Well, and for that exact, those exact same reasons, I took the I dare you challenge to heart, and I gave it to my 13-year-old daughter, And um, after the results of that, I gave it to my husband. (laughs) And let's just say this book has caused a lot of interesting conversations in our household. I want to read I want to read the survey. How would you rank me as a listener for our listeners so that they have some idea of the eye rolling that perhaps went along when my 13 year old daughter was trying to answer these questions? (laughs) I, too, expected absolutely rave reviews. Uh, The first one, it's 10, 10. 10 statements. Number one, I am guilty of interrupting. And then you answer rarely, sometimes, or often. I am guilty of interrupting. Number two, I am present when you talk, not texting, checking email, or looking at social media. Eek! (laughs) Number three, I dive in with my own story or experience. Because I remember what it was like to be 13. That's why I like to share with her what it was like to be 13 in case she doesn't know. Number four, I give unsolicited advice. This one really isn't fair, Becky, because even, I mean, if it's super great advice, even if it's unsolicited, I mean, shouldn't people take it? (laughs) Number five, I validate your feelings. Number six, my body language invites you to tell me more. Number seven, I seem defensive when my opinions are challenged. Ooh, my daughter got me on this one for sure. Number eight, when you communicate with me, you feel hurried. Number nine, when we disagree, I offer understanding. Number 10, you feel safe to share your feelings with me. And, you know, I kind of 
bombed this test, Becky. I really kind of failed it. And I, I was sitting on my bed and my husband walks in and he says, what's the problem? And I said, I can't listen. <laughs> and he's looking at me and, and I'm telling him and I'm like, well, listen to these. I said, you answer these questions for me. So then I asked him the questions and he's like, well, uh, sort of. Uh. He's like, but then he turns it on himself. He's like, well, I interrupt all the time. So, um, and he said to me, I feel like as a parent, that's not fair because you really should be the one doing the more talking. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Right. So tell me, why did you and why do I and why does my husband, uh, why do we all assume that we're good listeners? Well, you know, Nicole, first of all, I want to congratulate you for taking the survey, taking the little test and announcing your results on the air because no other interviewer has done that yet. <laughs> Congratulations. I think people just want us to be real, don't you? Oh, amen. You know, I would be the first to say that I don't have this all together yet. You know, you just write a book on listening and then everybody's watching you to see how well you listen. Mm. And so I continue to to make mistakes in this realm often. But I think we want to think of ourselves as good listeners because I think, honestly, we mean well, right? I mean, we want, especially with our kids, right? We, we, we want them to know all of our wisdom and our expertise. And that's why we give advice. We don't do it to hurt them. We think we're going to save them from life mistakes or whatever. And, you know, we mean well. We like to think the best of our ourselves. But in truth, I think there are some misconceptions out there about what it means to really listen well. And I think we have to take it seriously because the bottom line is you value your relationship with your kids. You value your relationship with your husband. You value your relationship with your coworkers and, you know, your neighbors. You value your relationship with your neighbors. And that means we have to really take an honest look at our listening skills. So what are the traits of a true, a truly good listener? You know, I would describe it like this, Nicole. First of all, they are present. They're not checking, you know, they're not texting under the table when you're with them at lunch. They're focused on you and they're listening. They're not planning ahead in their head what they're going to say next. Instead, they're fully focused on what you're saying. They don't dive in with their own story and and try to up your story with their story. They don't give unsolicited advice. Instead, they seek to validate feelings. You know, you can't always really validate actions, but you can always validate feelings. You can find some feeling in what the other person is saying and say, you know, that makes so much sense to me. And and good listeners invite people to tell them more. And when conflict happens, they don't get all defensive and push back on what the other person's saying. Instead, they listen, they allow the other person to process, and they might even say something like, tell me more because I really want to understand your perspective. Now I'm going to say to you, tell me more, because I really want to understand what you mean by uh, validate the feeling, but not the action. I feel like as parents, that's pretty important to get. 
Yeah, it really is. You know, I remember when I, I can probably explain this best, Nicole, with a story. I remember when one of our daughters was uh, 17 or 18. And so she drove herself to a party. She was 17. So she was underage for drinking. And she was at this high school party. And all of a sudden, a group of guys showed up. And they had brought in a keg of beer. And so Carrie grabbed her keys and drove home. She just left the party. She said, okay, guys, I'm out of here. And the next morning she was telling me this story. And as a parent, the first impulse is to open your mouth wide in shock. And instead, what I said to her is I said, you know, Carrie, you must have felt so pressured. I mean, these kids are some of your good friends. And they pulled out beer and we're inviting you to, you know, participate and to, you know, get involved in this. And you must have felt a lot of pressure. How did that feel to you? And she said, I did feel a lot of pressure, mom. I mean, a lot of these kids were like honor roll students. These were not bad kids. They were good kids. And, you know, they were just going to play games with the beer and all this kind of stuff. She said, I did feel a lot of pressure and I want to be liked in high school. And, And I said, but somehow you found the courage to grab your keys and leave. And I said, that was so wise. So I validate that action. And in fact, let's go to the mall because I'm going to buy you a new shirt because you made that choice. (laughs) My personal view on parenting, Nicole, is that bribery goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, So, but I validated her feelings. You know, if the reverse had happened, if she had stayed and participated in the underage drinking, I would have said, you know, I understand why you felt so much pressure, but I I can't validate your actions. Mm-hmm. And they have to have consequences then. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. Thank you for, for fleshing that out for us. I have been implementing the 15-minute rule in my household, and I never... Yeah, yeah. Well, I never realized... This has been a really humbling book to read, I'll tell you. I never realized (laughs) how much I don't sit down and just listen to my people. I feel like we're constantly talking in our household. We're singing. we're, We're around each other. We're playing together. But to sit down and look somebody in the eye and talk for 15 minutes, that just doesn't really seem to happen. Um... You have some bees of availability to help with those 15 minutes. So why don't you explain what the 15 minutes really are and then your bees of availability? Yeah, you know, I just discovered um, in raising kids that there was always another thing to do, right? I mean, there's soccer practice, mm-hmm. music practice, um, all of those pulls on your time as a family. And when my husband would come home from work, you know, sometimes I was honestly too tired to even listen to him. And I was more like in go mode, like, hurry up, we got to get the kids to soccer. And this one needs to be here. And this one needs to be there. And I, I just discovered along the way that my husband and I needed 15 minutes to reconnect as a couple where I would just listen and ask him questions about his day. And I started to implement that rule first with him. And then it traveled down to our kids. And it really was life changing because I wasn't rushing them as much. You know, I, I, I gotta be honest with you, Nicole, I, 
I tend to be a little hyper. And so <laughs> I, it seems like I'm always in a hurry to get to the next thing. And so in, in the book on being available, I do give five B's. And the first one is to be reliable. You know, that's one of the most beautiful qualities in a deep friendship or in a spouse or in a parent is when you say you're going to do something, follow through. If you say you're going to pick up your child from soccer practice at 4.30, be there. Be reliable in order to be available to listen to them. You know, when they come home from school, that's one of the best times really to get your kids to talk because a lot of times two hours later, they've forgotten what even happened in school and they're on to the next thing. You know, so when they get home from activities, be be reliable. You know, let there be consistency in your asking some questions. You know, it could be about soccer. You could say, you know, how did it go at practice today? How was this other player that you tend to have a difficult time with? You know, how how was the coach? Was he, you know, mean and demanding? Was he nice? What, you know, what? how did you feel about that? So be reliable in the questions that you ask. Be intentional. You know, honestly, Nicole, none of these listening skills are going to improve without us being intentional. And so I would plan ahead, like certain questions I was going to ask friends when I would go have coffee with them, or certain questions I was going to ask my kids when I was picking them up after some activity. Be intentional. Think it through. Think through your spouse's schedule and think, you know, what went on in their world today and what do I need to ask about when they get home so that I'm really participating in their life and in what's important to them? Be prepared. That kind Hold of on. Can I, can I interrupt you? Yes. <laughs> okay, thanks. Remember, we're not being judgy. I appreciate that. So right. I want to back up and just um, tell our listeners, I have several friends who will keep a list on their phone of things they want to talk to me about. And it's so... The first time someone did it, it was so bizarre. She goes, hold on, I need to look at my list. I've been thinking about you and I wanted to ask you about some things. I got to look at my list and figure out what it was I wanted to ask you about. And I love that. I felt so loved. It was like this great act of kindness that I had never seen happen before. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, that it, that speaks to intentionality and it also speaks to being prepared. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our... our our smartphones are amazing contraptions, right? I mean, why not make some questions up that you're going to ask your friend the next time you get together and type it in your smartphone and then check. Everybody appreciates that. And I, I love your response, Nicole, because you said you felt so loved. And here's the deal. Being loved and being heard is so closely linked that it's almost indistinguishable. And so if you want the people around you to feel loved, you need to make them feel heard. And so another B I have is be flexible. You know, sometimes we we get in this schedule mode and, and we know we have to be places on time and, and we have this whole list of to-do things to do and all of a sudden there's an interruption and we think, oh, I don't have time to listen to this person. You know, I I had to really work on that, you know. My husband, his top love language is spontaneity, and I'm a planner, so you can imagine how that goes. So (laughs) he would get home from work, and I would think, well, I'm going to use this evening doing X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe I'm going to edit something I'm writing. Maybe I'm going to work on this, that, or the other thing. And he would come home and say, hey, Beck, let's go to a movie. And 
I had to learn to be flexible and listen to his heart in that because spontaneity speaks to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that meant I had to be flexible with my plans and lay them aside. The same principle works really in, with your neighbors. You know, nobody plans for an emergency, but here's the deal. Emergencies happen. How flexible are you when that happens? Lay it aside and listen and be available to your neighbor when her marriage is falling apart, when one of her kids gets hurt at school. Be flexible. And then be alert to divine appointments. You know, I believe that God is real and that He orchestrates things for us. And so I'm always watching for things that can't be explained. You know, oh, this appointment isn't really a coincidence. It is a divine appointment. And and so I'm going to look at this conversation as a divine appointment, and I'm going to really make sure my ears are tuned in in that conversation. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Becky. So there are situations in our life that make very kind people momentarily unkind, and they usually have to do with the mouth, you know, and the, and the tongue yep. and what we're saying. And the, the two that I can think of, one is, is gossip, whether you're gossiping or whether you're just standing there listening to someone gossip, you're still partaking in it. And the other is walking a friend through grief or not walking a friend through grief because you feel like you don't have the right words to say. So I'd like if we could to take each of those situations, the gossiping and the walking with a friend through grief. And and I'd love to hear what tips you have for those particular situations, because sometimes people feel like, well, if people are just talking about that lady and I'm standing there, you know, I got to participate, you know. So what what do you do? You know, I just, I love that you are on a mission of making the world a kinder place. And one of the things that really destroys kindness is gossip. And I I feel like it's just so easy for us because we mean well, but we're sitting at Starbucks with a friend and all of a sudden the friend starts to say, oh my word, did you realize that so-and-so is having a problem with their daughter? Well, I would never do that with my daughter. And you know, it goes on and on and on. And, And so as soon as the conversation turns negative about someone else, I need to have my ears tuned up and I need to retaliate. Maybe retaliate's not the right word, but I need to respond with something kind about that person. You know, a a good illustration of this is uh, my youngest daughter. She is now, uh, her husband's in the military and they were at a military function and it was just a party. And one of the wives began talking about another wife and uh, Carrie takes kindness to a whole new level. (laughs) And she immediately did not want to say something unkind about that other military wife. And so she said, you know, I have really enjoyed getting to know her. She's She's been amazing to me, you know, and that shut the conversation down immediately because nobody wants to gossip in a vacuum, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're not offering uh, understanding there, that might be you know, shut it down a little faster. You can validate the feelings that person has. You know, if they're talking about their mother-in-law, you might say, well, that sounds really, really difficult. What do you think you're going to do? But if it turns into really trashing the other person, you might say, you know, point out something nice that you know about that person or steer the conversation in another direction. Mm -hmm. And then the other, uh, 
question I think you asked me, correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, you, you asked me about how to respond in conflict. Is that right? No, walking a friend through, oh, through grief. grief. Yeah. Okay. And, and because yeah. sometimes we feel like, well, I don't want to make them cry or I don't want to get hurt them even more than they're hurt. So I'm just going to say nothing. Yeah, or we want to fix it because we don't want people to feel sad, uh, right? Yeah, it's right. horrible for them. And so we, we want to we save them from their sadness. But honestly, grieving is really good for our souls. And so allowing another person to grieve with you is really extraordinary. I have um, a friend whose first husband died while he was training to be a Navy SEAL and um, – she had a little two-year-old, I think he was two, and she had another baby on the way when this happened, and she was devastated. And she said one of the greatest gifts that, a, that another friend of hers gave her was one day my friend Natalie just laid in bed and cried and slept for several hours, and her friend just sat by the bed to be available. Mm -hmm. She didn't dive in and say, oh, you know, you're going to see him again in heaven, or you'll get over this in a few months, or it's all going to be okay. You know, don't worry about it because none of those things might be true. (laughs) So, so when we walk with a person through grief, we want to listen to their heart. We want to listen for feelings and empathize with those feelings, validate those feelings. Like, wow, that must feel awful to you. That must feel so scary to you. I'm so sorry. You know, and and grief is a nebulous journey for people. Some people walk the path of grief and they're over it in a year. Other people walk it for five years. There's no time limit on grief. And, and as I've been studying this, My friends that have walked that road tell me that the greatest friends just sit and listen. They might bring them gifts and just sit and listen. You know, they might draw out the other person. Well, you know, what was your mother like? What did she value if a person's lost a mother or if a person has lost a child? What was what was that like for you? How did that feel for you? What were the days following that like, you know? Mm-hmm. And so really drawing that other person out. With, with good questions. Thank you, Becky, so much. I think that you've given us so many, I know you've given me for sure, so many uh, tools to implement into my life to become a better listener and a better friend and a kinder person. Before I let you go, Becky, do you have one particular act of kindness that kind of has resonated with you uh, through the years, either something you've done and how it made you feel or something someone has done for you or something you witnessed? Yes, I, I, my, <laughs> this will give you a, a window into my soul. I am a huge coffee lover. And so sometimes when I'm feeling a little bit blue in the morning and I'm driving through the drive through at Starbucks, I'll just say to the barista at the window, you know what, I'm going to pay for the car behind me because it always cheers me up as well. Yes. And so I just love to do that for people. It's just kind of a random act of kindness. I do want to say, Nicole, too, as far as the listening book, I have a new free resource up on my website, and it's called the 5-Day Active Listening Challenge. And people can... Um, 
register for that and it just comes into your inbox every day and it's a very brief video from me like two or three minutes and it gives you a challenge for that day something tangible that you can do to improve your listening skills so I'd really like to invite your listeners to take that challenge excellent I hope they do and I'll check it out too thank you so much Becky for talking with us today thank you Nicole it's been a delight Ready to reveal how well you listen? Take the five-day active listening challenge and learn more about the book, How to Listen So People Will Talk, by visiting beckyharling.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or NPR One.